0: Yo, what is going on, people? Welcome to another episode of Clutch Pod. This is episode 33. As always, I'm your host, AB, and don't forget to follow us on Twitter and Instagram at clutchpod. Obviously, we're well into Project Restart now in the Premier League season, and the games are coming in thick and fast. There's so many games to cover in a short space of time, games are basically on every single day. So yes, it's a dream for football fans such as myself. So just going to go through some of the results and discuss, just discuss some of the results and the permutations of those results. And also discuss the upcoming fixtures. I'm only going to start off one place that was probably the game of the week so far. That was at Old Trafford where Manchester United played Bournemouth on the 4th of July. It was one of the greatest games of the season, (laughs) speaking as a United fan. We thrashed them 5-2. We did go a goal down early, Junior Stanislas making a fall out of Harry Maguire and beating the hair at his near post. That was probably one of the few blips of the day. But listen, Greenwood, Martial, Rashford all getting on the score sheet. That's our front three. The future's looking bright as well. Greenwood's like, what, 18? Rashford, 22? Marshall's 23-24, great strike from Mason Greenwood to draw a level. Even his second goal was just was just phenomenal, man. That guy is a serious talent. Like, I don't like to throw this word around often, but when you say generational talent, yeah, he's really he's starting to show glimpses of that. And it, Like, you can't just use that word for, it, for any up-and-coming prospect because when you say generational, in my opinion anyway, there's only four or five players that you can say are generational. So yeah, Marcus Rashford scoring a penalty as well to put us 2-1 up before Marshall put us 3-1 up at half time. After the break, they did have a penalty. (laughs) Baye came on and his first contribution was to give away a penalty. You see, Eric Baye, there's never a dull moment when you're watching him. If you pay close attention to him, yeah, he's always doing something unorthodox, brothers. Finally, man. That's my guy, though. I just want him to stay fit. Josh King did tuck away a penalty for Bournemouth to make it 3-2. But I can't lie, um, even though Bournemouth were in the game, obviously they took the lead and then um made it 3-2. They, were nev- they never really threatened enough for me to be like on the edge of my seat thinking that we were going to blow it. Yeah, it was a great offensive display from us. Greenwood scored a great goal on his right foot. This guy, left foot, right foot, he can do it both. One of the most ball-footed players I've seen in a while. Obviously, you got got guys like Santi Cazorla and that. Yeah, mainly Kozola in the Premier League era anyway. Yes, and then obviously Martial just curled one into the top bins from outside the area. Probably the goal of the day. And then Bruno Fernandes wraps up. So yeah, United win 5-2. That is three wins in a row now since the restart. Last week we beat Brighton 3-0 at the Amex as well. Greenwood getting on the score sheet as well. As well as Bruno Fernandes, who has started his Manchester United career on fire. Ten Premier League appearances, five goals, five assists. That's the joint most goal contributions in Manchester United history alongside Eric Cantona and Ruud van Nistrooy, I believe. So he is in highly esteemed company. And I just, I just love the way he plays, man. He's a real competitor as well. He's always looking to make things happen. Whether he's playing the forward ball, even though some of it might be risky, he might get dispossessed, but he's always positive. He's always thinking positive, trying to get the ball forward, get the ball into attacking areas. And it's a breath of fresh air, especially when I've been watching guys like <laughs> Lingard and Andreas Pereira <laughs> just play balls across the midfield. Bruno Fernandez, he's been he's been an amazing signer for us. He's arguably single handedly just changed our fortunes completely. Because even with him now coming in, Pope was taking a back seat. So like even with all these five goals that we scored, Pogba didn't get on the score sheet. He's just do he's just doing his thing, is it? Like he can just flourish because the the offensive load isn't all on him to create. He's got Bruno with him, and he can do his thing. So yeah, I hope that um duo can continue to play together for a very long time, and I hope the signing of Bruno will make Pogba finally just want to stay because obviously he's flirted with leaving numerous times. So yeah, that was a great result for us. Um, one thing I do want to address though. In the midst of that victory, so while the game was going on, I saw a lot of like United um fans on Twitter talking about how we don't need Sancho, so we've got Greenwood, this, this, and that. He's next up. Listen, he had a phenomenal game here, yeah, but I'm trying to be as level headed as possible in it. So far, I don't think we've played anyone of of great quality, I should say. Obviously, okay, we played Brighton, we played Norwich, we've played Bournemouth, we played Spurs the first week and drew like I think the real test for us come the rest of the season is that FA Cup game against Chelsea, that semi final at Wembley. If we beat them, obviously that'll be the fourth time we've beaten them this season. That is a that would be a win of intent. And then if you go on to lift the FA Cup as well, that's that's when we are started to make serious strides. Don't get me wrong, I'm liking the performances, but I'm not trying to get carried away. Because this has happened numerous times under Van Gaal, under Moyes, under was um, under Mourinho. That the set of results you have, you think, yeah, 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 we might be back. So me, I'm not saying Pim. <laughs> it's nice performances, but yeah, I'm not getting carried away. And as for the We Don't Need Sancho Brigade, um, one thing we have to remember is Greenwood is still only 18. Still very very young. So to expect him to perform at a consistent level at this age is too much. I feel like it's too much to ask for. Obviously everyone has their dips in form, but he's still very young, innit? He's still got a lot to learn. Bearing the man Sancho is still nineteen, isn't it? But he's more well rounded than Greenwood and he's more like he's he's got more experience even though he is just a year older than him. Um, playing in the Bundesliga and he, he just has that X factor that will take us to the next level. And also you're forgetting Obviously, it's football, is it? Injuries happen, there's a, there's a lot of competitions as well. If we get into the Champions League, you've got the League Cup, you've got the FA Cup, you've got squad rotation, you've got injuries. So, at the end of the day, we do need Sancho, because like, I can't lie, yeah, I slander him a lot, a lot of it is a bit unfair, because I think he's in way above his depth, but Dan James is not the answer, not right now anyway, I think he needs a loan. Like he need, he needs to find his feet somewhere away from the club. Hopefully, he can come back and um show a better showing for for his sake. Anyway, obviously he started brightly, scoring that debut goal against Chelsea in that four 0 win win on the first game of the season. But ever since then, he's he hasn't he hasn't looked like a Man United player, man. I can't even lie. So yeah, I say we still go out there and get Sancho, and I think we need another um another centre back. Another centre back is key. Preferably someone athletic with pace because obviously, alongside Harry Maguire, he's a rigid guy and he ain't really mobile like that. So, you need someone who can get around there, you can chase down forwards who are trying to run in behind, like someone like that, innit? and I don't think Lindelof is really that guy. Those two signers, I think, will be well back on track and hopefully, um, yeah, we can get some silverware and get back to the top of English football as we have been under Sir Alex Ferguson. Uh, one more thing I want to address. One player I want to give his flowers is Nemanja Matic. He's had a real renaissance. I've said this on previous episodes of the pod as well. Um, He's played really well um, in that anchor role. Obviously, he's just there to do everyone's dirty work so that Bruno and Pogba can just flourish in the final third of the pitch. But he's really, really done his job well. Intercept getting into the passing lanes and um, getting them tackles in. Just clean up crew, basically. That's what his job is. Like, just... Get the day work done and then dish it out to Bruno. Dish it out to Pogs. Let them do their thing. And yeah, and also the front three as well. So, big up Nemanja Matic. There were rumours that he has signed a contract extension up until 2023 as well. It hasn't been fully confirmed. But I can't lie, with the way he's been playing recently, I think he deserves it. And I think there is a spot for him on the team. Um, Yeah, so that is Manchester United. I'm going to move on to... Couple other games on Saturday, so Leicester got back to winning ways. They beat Crystal Palace 3 0 at the King Power. Yuri Tielemann scoring the opening goal before Jamie Vardy bagging a brace. Big up, Jamie Vardy. He's now joined the Premier League 100 club. That's 100 Premier League goals for Vardy. Um, he was in a little goal drought as well previously, so it's good to see him get back on the score sheet. Those were his 20th and 21st goals of the season. He's currently the leading candidate for the Golden Boot, So it will be great for him if he can win that as he hasn't won that before. So yeah, he's in esteemed company. A couple honourable mentions for the Premier League 100 club include, obviously, you got your Alan Shearers, Wazers, Wayne Rooney, Andy Cole, Aguero, Frank Lampard, Jermaine Defoe, um, Nicholas Anelka, Jimmy Floyd Hasselbank. So yeah, he's up there with the rest of those greats. And yeah, that's 100 goals for Jamie Vardy. Obviously, Leicester needed that win as well, because ever since the restart, they've been very shaky. They've lost a couple of games that they should have been winning, ideally. And yeah, they actually blew their um, lead in the top three. So they were basically like 15 points ahead of fifth place at the end of New Year. And that gap is now three points. So yeah, they've dropped a lot of points in that run up. So hopefully for them, they can end the season on a strong note and get that Champions League football. Also on Saturday, Arsenal beat Wolves 2-0 at Molyneux. Bukayo Saka, what a great week it was for him. He signed a contract extension as well. Obviously, that was a real topic of discussion amongst Arsenal fans because his contract was up at the end of next season. And given how many Arsenal players do leave at the end of their contracts, you are feeling sorry for them in a way that if they let that talent goal because he's still only 18 he leads them in assist this season so yeah he's been a real bright spark for them so him getting on the score sheet was good for him it was a great goal as well left footed swivel volley into the back of the net I didn't think he had that in him <laughs> but yeah big up him and the Lacazette coming off the bench to wrap up the three points for them towards the end of the game house Arsenal's first away win versus the top 10 this season That that's poor still you'll think a team of that calibre would be able to go to um rival teams and get a result but clearly not but yeah it's good to see that they broke that duct against Wolves it was a bad defeat for Wolves because they were trying to um, close the gap between them and Chelsea to try to get into the top four but that defeat really hindered them they now sit five points off of Chelsea and also have United ahead of them in fifth moving on on Saturday, Chelsea also played Watford. It was a comprehensive victory for them. They won 3-0. Olivier Giroud putting them into the lead towards the end of the first half. It was just a typical Giroud finish. Like, he's so underrated because in and around the box, yeah, he's just so clinical, bruv. On his left foot, he just drags it away from the keeper into the bottom corner of the net. That's just a typical Giroud goal. Like, if you were to ask me what a Giroud goal is like, that that is the goal I'll show you. Like, it's such a typical goal. From him obviously he, he lacks pace but he's highly intelligent that is why DJ Deschamps loves him that's why he's in the front squad ahead of guys like Martial Benzema obviously Benzema is because he done a madness in it but this is why he's starting in the front squad because it's because of his intelligence in and around the box so yeah um he put them one nil up then William's scoring a penalty William scored a penalty yeah in the last three Chelsea games like he's one of a few players to score three penalties in a row like that's, that stat is crazy, bro. <laughs> like You hardly hear something like that. And then Ross Barkley scoring as well. Barkley's had a little bit of a renaissance as well this season at Chelsea. He's really chipped in with a handful of goals. And he's playing really well. Obviously, there is heavy competition for his position in that Chelsea squad anyway. When you got your Ruben Loftus cheeks, Mason Mounts. You've got Pulisic in those attacking areas. Pulisic, let me shout him out as well. He's played really well. He's starting to settle down. It was him that won the penalty that William converted as well. Um, So, yeah, he's really starting to play well. They did get him for that big price tag from Borussia Dortmund. But he's starting to live up to it. I can't lie. It'll be interesting to see if he can carry on this form next season. So, yeah, as I was saying, with regards to Ross Barkley, there's a big competition for places. And you've got Hakim Ziyech coming in next season. So... He's really starting to stake a claim as to why he should be a regular in Frank Lampard's starting eleven with performances like that. So a big up him. Obviously Chelsea needed that win as well because before before they played United beat Bournemouth five two and moved into fourth place. So that win really was needed so that they could move back into fourth. But United are still breathing down their necks. They're onto them. <laughs> it's a two point gap now between them and Chelsea in fourth. The game before that, they were they, they fell to West Ham by three goals to two. That was a shock defeat for them, in my opinion. Um, they lost 3-2. Um, Susek, Antonio, and then Jan Malenko scoring a winner in the dying minutes. One problem Chelsea needs to address urgently is their defensive situation because they're just, they've just been shambolic defensively. I mean, um, Frank Lampard, I don't think he knows what his um, centre back pairing is because I've seen Christensen play with Rudiger. I've seen Zuma play. Obviously, Fikayo Tomori as well. I think he's out injured right now. I'm not sure. So, yeah, they really need like a commanding centre back down there because obviously they just need a centre back in it because the goals that they've been conceding have been poor. That was a gut wrenching defeat for them um, in midweek against West Ham. It was really a vital three points for them against Watford. Because obviously those games there are are trap games because Watford are down there, fighting relegation as well as West Ham. And at this late time in the season, you don't want to be playing teams that have something to play for because they'll come with different confidence. Games on Sunday as well. One of the early games was Sheffield United against Burnley. That was a one-all draw. So yeah, Sheffield United is still going strong. Obviously right now they're looking on the outskirts of a European place. They are in eighth with 48 points. They've got Arsenal Wolves ahead of them. They're going to need to, I don't know, rack up a couple more wins if they want to continue to be in that conversation for um, a Europa League place. And then Newcastle-West Ham... It was a 2-2 draw. That was an entertaining game as well. Mikel Antonio getting on the score sheet again. And big up Mikel Antonio, man, because this guy, he's just a jack of all trades. Like, I've seen this guy play right back, right wing, right wing back. Now he's holding it down as a striker for West Ham because of a Sebastian is still injured. But yeah, he got two and two. Obviously, he scored in a win against Chelsea and now he scored um, against Newcastle on Sunday. Miguel Almiron did equalize for them. Almiron, big up him though, he's starting to settle down as well. At the time, he was the club's record signing from MLS, came from Atlanta United. He didn't score in his like, first 20 games or something like that, but now he's starting to score frequently. Well, not frequently, but he's starting to score more frequently than that. And yeah, he's looking, he's looking established in that Newcastle team. Um, I liked Newcastle's lineup that game because they played. You had your Alan Samaxin man who the game before that when they beat Bournemouth, he had a hat trick of assists, and you rarely see that in the Premier League these days. So yeah, it was a great performance from him. Um, he was the person I was talking about. The main thing about him is end product. The like he would dribble past one man, two man, three man, but the ball into the box will be poor. But that game, he really showed his confidence and showed like the type of play he can be if he has an end product so yeah that was 3 assists when they beat Bournemouth 4-1 at the Vitality yeah he was part of the 2-1 the draw against West Ham on Sunday before Susek put West Ham 2-1 up again but then a couple minutes later defensive laps and Shelby equalised to salvage a draw for um Steve Bruce's men so yeah 2-1 draw um, it's not ideal for West Ham considering the situation they're in but it's points on the board isn't it and that's what you need at this moment in time when you're fighting relegation like uh, a point is better than like falling to defeat obviously so yeah they're still sitting 16th in the table though they're 4 points ahead of the relegation zone they just need to keep on putting points on the board and they should be alright still then Sunday Aston Villa lost at home another defeat for Villa they lost 2-0 to Liverpool Mane and Curtis Jones getting on the score sheet. Villa, they were playing well. They Just one of them ones where Liverpool, they just kept knocking on the door, knocking on the door. Finally got that goal after like 70 minutes. And then in the end, like the motivation you could just see in the players, just it just wasn't there anymore. And then Liverpool got the second to wrap up the win. they got back to winning ways after that thrashing by Man City. First game since they were crowned as champions. They lost 4-0. When Sterling bagged the Brace, KDB, and young Phil Foden also getting on the score sheet. That game, I just felt that they were just hung over from from securing the titles. I would have thought that Klopp would have played some of the Young Gs still, because you know those Young Gs, yeah, they got a point to prove. So they'll play with that hunger, that determination. But he started, he basically played his strongest squad, which is Salah know Mane up front. you got your Trent and Robertsons, uh, Robertson at fullback, like. The strongest team and they just I don't know they tried in it but you could just tell that there was something missing man. They didn't really they didn't really have it man and now they're on course to break the points record. They can get a maximum of hundred and four points <laughs> if they win out the rest of their games, which will be a Premier League record. The last game on Sunday, Southampton against Man City, Southampton shocked them winning one-nil Che Adams getting the goal, his first goal for Southampton. It was from a defensive mistake from Zinchenko. Edison got caught lacking away from his goal line. And then Che Adams just banged it in from like 40 odd yards. That was his first goal in 30 appearances for Southampton. And it was the winner. So he'll be a happy lad. Trust me after that. I must say though, after they went on goal up, their defending was just exquisite, bruv. Like they were just, everyone was just on it. Like everyone was just sticking close to their man. Making sure they wasn't playing anyone on side. Like even Danny Ings, he worked his socks off as well. Um, I was surprised as well because obviously he's not known for his defensive prowess but they defended well as a unit. In the end it, it paid off. Obviously he built up Jan Bednarik as well. He was solid at the back. Kyle Walker-Peters on loan from Spurs. He put in a performance as well. He's been decent for them still. That was only like his third start since he joined them on loan. Um, but yeah, that's a big win for Southampton. Obviously, they don't have any like relegation fears or anything like that. They're comfortably in mid-table. So, that makes the win even more impressive because they didn't really have anything to play for. They were just motivated to win. So, yeah, big up Ralph hutu as well. I can't lie. After Leicester done them up 9-0 at St Mary's, I thought they were gone and still. I thought, I thought there's no recovering from that because the mental strength it takes to recover from that is crazy. But... They roasted the challenge and they're now comfortably, comfortably mid-table. Hassan Hüthel's done a great job for them. He signed a contract extension as well. So, that big up him, man. Big up the Saints as well. Go marching on. <laughs> One other thing I didn't mention. So, the game, Arsenal's game before they played Wolves, they flashed Norwich 4-0. Aubameyang scoring a brace as well. Sajid scoring his Arsenal debut on his first start. Um, That brace from Aubameyang took him up to 51 Premier League goals. He was the fastest Arsenal player to reach 50 Premier League goals. He reached it in 79 games. That's quicker than Thierry Henry. It took him 83 games to score 50 goals. So that is a great achievement from Aubameyang. Big up him. Arsenal, Arsenal. They need to, need to re-sign him. It is a must. Like, whatever P he's asking for, they need to cough that up and give it to him, man, because he's a special player and he's the type of player that they need if they want to, Get back to the top where they belong. Challenging for titles, winning trophies, winning silverware. Just going to look ahead to the fixtures coming this week. Games on Tuesday. Palace, Chelsea, Watford, Norwich and then Arsenal take on Leicester. That's going to be a big game for both teams. On Wednesday, Man City host Newcastle. Sheffield United against Wolves. Two teams looking to play European football next season. West Ham host Burnley and Brighton take on Liverpool. On Thursdays, Bournemouth-Tottenham, Everton-Southampton and then relegation-threatened Aston Villa take on Manchester United at Villa Park. So yeah, those are the upcoming fixtures. I just thought I'd wrap up a quick pod given that there have been so many games in such a little time and there's been so much things happening. So yeah, that's what's going on right now. I'm going to move on to the NBA segment. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter at Clutch underscore pod. And also on Insta, I'm your host AB. going to move on to NBA segment. Moving on to the NBA segment now. Obviously, we're counting down the days until the NBA restarts on July the 30th in Orlando. And as I said, um, there's new news coming out every so often about what the um, so-called Orlando bubble is going to be like so the experience how it, how the rules and regulations for the players I can't lie it sounds so like it sounds like, like something from school or something like that like the laws and like even I'm trying to read it and it it's just it just sounds crazy I'm going to discuss that players have tested positive for COVID and couple teams couple teams practice facilities have had to close because of positive tests so yeah there's a lot going on right now I can't lie but yeah let me start off though so basically some NBA reporters have already entered the Orlando bubble one of them being ESPN's Malika Andrews that's just basically just explaining what their experience is like so they basically be tested every single day and that is mandatory and they're basically being quarantined in their hotel rooms and like, you can't go out, you go out, like, once a day, and that is to get tested. So, things like that is just... And, obviously, you have to wear masks, um, 24-7. So, things like that is crazy. It's, like, it's more or less imprisonment. Like, it's mad. And then, um, a couple other alarming things, especially coming from the Clippers. Lou Williams has said he's 50-50 on coming back. He's still not sure. And, um, that's going to be a huge miss for the Clippers if he decides to opt out of the bubble. Obviously, the Clippers chasing their first nba championship they are probably the favorites at this moment in time well i doubt they will be if lou wills if lou will decides to opt out so obviously he's their spark plug off the bench three times Sixth man of the year so if they re- if they lose him he's seen as their closer as well ahead of Kawhi and pg so if they lose him it'll be a Big, big miss for him still. So they, Kawhi and them man, they need to just tell him, "I right, come on, man, please." They need to beg him, bro. Another bad news coming out of the Clippers camp is that shooting guard Shama has tested positive for COVID, so he will not travel with team to Orlando. He will most likely make his way there once he has recovered fully. Hopefully, he does recover fully. Obviously, that was my guy in Philly before um he was traded in the Tobias Harris trade. Because of that, the Clippers had to close their practice facility. Um, Right now, obviously, I think teams will be making their way to Orlando because training camp starts in a couple weeks and the NBA did announce the scrimmage schedule. I don't know if they're going to televise them. Um, My guess is they will because obviously the NBA needs that revenue and there will be demand for it. So yeah, the scrimmage schedule is out. You can go check that out on the NBA website or on their Twitter or something like that. And then the way they've done it is that teams won't play against other teams who they are likely to match up against in the first round. And they're more likely to play against teams who are in an opposite conference to them. Obviously, to avoid like, politics and things like that. That was the methodology ahead of the scrimmage schedule. A couple other teams' practice facilities have had to close. The Nuggets have closed their practice facility and also the Miami Heat closed their practice facility as they had another positive case of COVID earlier in the in like couple of pods ago. I said how Derek Jones Jr. tested positive for COVID, so they've had another positive test for them. And um the Nets, the Nets are in a bit of a predicament still, because um, Wilson Chandler, their forward, he opted out. Of the bubble he said he needs to look after his grandma and his three young children. Spencer Dinwiddie is tested positive for COVID, so he's saying that he doesn't know if he's gonna come. I doubt he will come back, according to the statement that he released on social media. And also DeAndre Jordan, we already already said that he tested positive and said he is opting out of the bubble. And also Nicholas Claxton, their rookie, big man, he's out with season-ending surgery on his shoulder so the nets are looking very very thin they're gonna have to dip into the substitute free agent market one of the biggest players to opt out of the bubble is Victor Oladipo Pacers all-star two guard he said that he needs to get 100% still him being the type of competitor that he is opting out is very very it hurts him but he feels that it's the right thing for him to do to preserve his health in the long term. And I fully, fully side with him. Vio's one of my guys, man. Um, PG County as well, stand up. He's one of my guys too. And obviously that's going to hurt Indiana a lot. They're currently in the fifth seed with the Sixers in the sixth seed. So one would think that the Sixers will overtake them and possibly get go goal as high as the fourth seed. That's me speaking as a Sixers fan, by the way. As the Boston Celtics small forward Gordon Hayward said, he'll opt out of the bubble upon the birth of his child, which is during September. So if the Celtics make it that far, so um, September times, early September times, would most likely be conference semifinals slash conference finals. So if the Celtics make it that far, they will be without Gordon Hayward, who says he will leave the bubble to attend the birth of his child. So all these things that's happening for these players. There's a lot going on in and around the league still. There's even been people saying that um all these players opting out. All it takes is one superstar, a LeBron, a Yanis, a Kawhi to say I'm not on it. And I think this bubble thing will collapse. I honestly believe that because the amount of players that have been opting it's, out, it's been a lot still. Obviously, you have your role players. The biggest player is Victor Oladipo as well. It'll be interesting to see what Lou Williams says. But as for right now, it's looking... It's looking a bit spooky. Still, it's looking. It's not looking good. I'll say that. So yeah, um, a few other n- pieces of information that I like to spread on the pod. There have also been discussions for a second bubble. So for the team, for the eight teams that didn't make the Orlando bubble, so the teams that are fully, fully eliminated from making the playoffs. So you your team, like the Timberwolves, the Warriors, the Bulls, the Knicks. So they're saying that they might have. Um, a bubble in Chicago. The NBA is planning to do that for them because obviously they haven't played basketball since March and they might not play again until December. And that is a long, long layoff. That's like nine months. So they need I feel like that will help them to gain like match fitness to gain fitness because obviously going nine months without playing basketball is a long, long, long time. So yeah, I doubt all the teams will be on it though. I don't know the word if the Warriors will be on it because they just had injuries in general. Like that's why they went fifteen or fifty this season. So I don't think you will see Steph, Clay, and Draymond saying that. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna play in that Chicago bubble. I highly doubt that. So, I'm gonna talk a bit of Sixers. So um, our head coach Brett Brown announced that Ben Simmons is now 100. percent Obviously, he had that nerve impingement that dated back to that game against the Bucks, and he sat out for like. Eight, eight games until the NBA was suspended. A couple of weeks ago, Brett Brown did say that he was going to ease him in back to action. But him now saying that he's 100%, obviously that's great news because that is one of our best players on the team. And guard one through five, he's played really well this season as well. So that's going to be a huge positive for us. Brett Brown also announced that Embiid is in the best shape he's ever seen him in. And you know what it is? You see with this organization in particular, the Sixers, yeah. One thing, like, our injury management is very poor. That goes back to, like, the players that we draft. Like, how many players have we drafted and they get injured and they don't play in their rookie season? Like, Ben Simmons broke his foot. Zaire Smith almost died, like, no joke. Like, he had a allergic reaction to peanuts or something and he literally almost died. Um, who else? Obviously, Embiid missed two years. Their soul, like, the injury things, it's just poor. Like, the way they the way they announce news, like, it's just so poor so it's hard for me to believe everything that I've seen we're developing a bad reputation of just talking and not backing up the talk hopefully NBA is in the best shape that Brett Brand has seen him in but I'm not it's not something it's not like mad news for me when I thinking right yeah like it's gonna go down Just something that if I see it then like it's cool is it so yeah that's the situation right now when the NBA done another round of um, coronavirus testing and additional NBA players tested positive for it. So that is um, a total of 25 of the 351 players who have been tested since the 23rd of June. So that's probably led to why a couple of these franchises practice facilities have been closing. So yeah, that's just a brief update of what's going on ahead of the Orlando bubble and the resumption of the NBA season. And what this I'll probably do when there is enough to discuss about it. As for now, we just got like our like different articles of like predictions and things like that, and what's it going to be like. So yeah, once the players actually land in Orlando, which they're in the process of doing, then I'll be able to like discuss more on what's going on and give my own input as well so yeah um, i'm gonna wrap it up now if you're still listening at this point much love don't forget to follow us on the socials twitter and insta at clutch underscore pod. as always i'm your host ab this is episode 33 of clutch pod and yeah we'll be back soon hey, oh, <laughs>